Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. God's doing something new in this hour. It's no longer church as usual. God is messing with things in his church. You remember in the, in the word of God where Jesus comes into the temple, he, he sees what's going on there and he, he just messes up everything. You just think he could have nicely just said something. Well, you know what? I believe if he nicely said something, they'd have keep on, kept on doing what they were doing, right? That, well, I don't know if I agree with him. Man, he made a stir that day. And why did he do that? Because he saw purpose. And he saw what's going on here. Yes, there's some things that the Father wants. Yes, there's some things. But the essence of what God wants to do isn't being done, right? And so God, Jesus, messed with it that day. Threw the tables down, got the money changers out because he wanted to restore things back to purpose. And I want to jolt you today with that thought. God is shaking things today because he wants to shake everything that is not of God and remove it so that which is of God can more fully express what God wants to express, function how God wants it to function, and do what God wants it to do. And I believe primarily God is working in His church world. Amen? I know God's doing things in this earth. I believe God's even working in nations of the earth. You know, people are like, well, we can't make nations serve the Lord. Oh, God doesn't say that. And there's going to be one day when Jesus is going to rule the earth and all the nations of the earth. You think it's a bad thing for nations to come to God that preached about serving Jesus? You think it's the wrong thing for political leaders to honor God? No, it's not. God loves that. You think God's going, oh, you shouldn't just do that. You know, no. It's the most right thing ever. Amen. So God loves working in nations. God loves working in cities. God loves for the believers to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in this earth. God, may men submit to your will. May men submit to your righteousness. May light and truth and power expand in the earth. And God, may all the kingdoms of the earth shake at it and tremble. Amen? Man, God just laughs when men do their thing thinking they're going to get away with it. He just laughs because God's bigger than everything and He's going to bring everything into alignment with His greater purpose. Amen? That's what's happening. And what I was getting to here is there is a change and a shaking coming to the church. It's nice to have nice meetings. It's nice to get together and have fun. But you don't need to even have church to do that. You see what I'm saying? There's got to be more than that in church. What's church about? It's about seeing a lot of people love God and love one another. It's about having the presence of God with you. It's about lives being changed. Amen? Praise God. It's about things happening. It's about sinners coming in one way, leaving another way. It's about everything turning around for good. And God wants to do that. There is a generation 
that is so demonized today, so filled with lusts, so filled with perverse things on the inside of them. If the power of God does not come to set them free, how will they ever know Him? How will they ever be free? Amen? I believe there's a generation, when they hear the message, their first question is going to be is, will God set me free? Can God help me? Can I even change? Can I be different? And I will just tell you, there needs to be a church in the world that is pulling on the power of God, that believes God to do something in an amazing way. You remember there was a, a guy one time, he's, he brings his child. He brings him to the disciples. Man, he's got problems. I don't know what to do. Please help him. And they can't cast the demon out. And then it says they begin to argue with the Pharisees, right? They're arguing with the Pharisees. And Jesus has just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus was God, but Jesus lived as a man. He laid down His God abilities, if you want to say it that way, and He lived as a man. When He did miracles, He said, I did them because God the Father was doing them through me. He said, I can do nothing of myself. Y'all see what I'm saying? He had to spend time with God. He had great moments with God. And guess where Jesus has just been? Man, Jesus has been on the Mount of Transfiguration. He just had an amazing encounter with God in prayer. You know, I don't understand everything that happened that time, but I know the disciples are watching him like, whoa, Jesus is glowing. He's radiating the glory of God. He's, and, and then there's this man. There's this man that's been trying to get his son free from those demons, from that demon of epilepsy. Remember that? And they can't do it. And that's when Jesus is coming down from having his encounter with God from his prayer time, which if you study Luke, you see all the time. It's like, it just tells you Jesus was in prayer. Jesus was in prayer. Jesus was in prayer. It was his lifestyle. His lifestyle. It wasn't just a duty. He loved God. You know what? Sometimes our prayers can end up being like duties and, and we, we don't enjoy praying so much. Uh, and I'll tell you, there's sometimes there's prayer that takes a lot of work to get some. I've, I've been through those moments when the Holy Spirit pulls you to pray and you just have to pray and it's work. But I'm telling you, most of the time, we ought to just be enjoying our time in prayer. We ought to enjoy bringing things to God. When we're just real with God and connecting, it's a good thing. And we're experiencing Him. Jesus said it all the time. Anyway, he, and He's coming down from the mountain. He's coming down, and that man sees Him, and they go over to where Jesus is. And guess what? The, the little boy looks over at Jesus, and guess, guess what happens? The, the demons see Jesus. I believe they see the glory of God and the radiance of God on Jesus and the, the, they throw that little boy into convulsions. The man has already taken his child to get help, and there was no help. Do y'all see what I'm saying? How many times people go to church and there's no help? And I'm just saying that. I'm not saying we're better than anybody else. All I'm saying is, hey guys, it ought not to be this way. And then... And then, um, now you wonder, what do you think the Pharisees were telling the disciples? 
He needs to do this. Don't you think you can pray for people and they're going to get help? You know, and they're like, but, but, and then they're, but, and nothing happens. And Jesus comes down and says, hey, what were you guys talking about? I could just imagine what the Pharisees were arguing because it looked like maybe their side was winning because that demon wasn't coming out. You know, Pharisees always put down the things of the Holy Spirit, right? They always put down the things of the power of God. They want things to be just like they are where they're comfortable. But anyway, so, so then Jesus comes. This man's, this man's gone to church and hadn't gotten his son helped yet. And Jesus comes and, and, he see, and he, the, the boy sees Jesus, the, the epileptic boy, starts having fits because the demon saw the glory of God on Jesus. <laughs> Y'all see what I'm saying? And then, and then, the man, and then by this time, the man doesn't even know he that because he went with the disciples and he didn't get help he started to doubt if you can help he goes hey if you can do anything what jesus is like what if you believe all things are possible you need to get your belief back up he could have said but i just went and i took her the other and nothing happened you don't know how long i've been believing god you see so many people they've been through so much over such a long period of time they start to begin to doubt. Oh, is it really going to happen? Maybe it's not going to happen. It's been such a long time. God's like, and you remember, and he says in Luke 18, never stop believing. Never stop praying. Persevere. Because eventually, God will bring you your blessing. Amen? So this man's been praying, asking. Then he finally gets his opportunity, and nothing happens. Again, I believe God doesn't want that to happen. And I do believe sometimes people go to church and it doesn't happen right then. And if that's been you, I want to tell you, that doesn't mean God's not going to deliver you. That doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan already in place to bring you your breakthrough. If you've been asking God, never give up because God is going to bring your breakthrough. Amen? I'm just remembering that story I heard, a testimony like two weeks ago. I shared it last week where this guy was crying out, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. If you're real, show yourself to me. And he was in such despair. And he felt so terrible. But he said he cried that with all of his heart. And then he shot himself up. And he said, I knew I was going to die, which he almost did. But in a strange way, his whole process of after he shot himself up brought him to an amazing radical commitment to God and man he's a preacher now it's just an amazing thing that happened almost immediately he began to see people come to God after his conversion but anyway my, my point is this you know Jesus wanted to see that man get set free the man goes somewhere where he should have been able to get set free and he wasn't set free he sees Jesus Jesus has to build his faith back up again I tell you, if there's the atmosphere of doubt, you're not going to see the power of God cast the devil out very much, right? So Jesus interjects, begins to bring faith back into that situation, and then, and then what happens? He casts that devil out. You remember what the disciples said later? Why didn't we cast it out? And I will tell you, we've got to quit giving excuses for why people are not getting helped. And we need to begin to say, you know what? The power of God is meant for us to help people. He told his disciples, well, it's because of your littleness of faith. That's exactly what he said to them. Wait a minute. So 
What he's telling them then there is, you've got to walk at a new level. And I would say this, we have so many promises, so many things for us to take advantage of, if we as the church would wake up and start to go there. If we would wake up and begin to realize the glory is available if we'll go pray and bring it in. And miracles are happening, and they'll be happening a lot more if we'll pray and begin to step out and pray and step out and pray and step out and be willing to, for sometimes it not to work because we're continuing to pray. The disciples didn't say, oh, I'm not going to pray for an epileptic boy anymore. It didn't work. No, you know what? I bet you the next time they saw a epileptic boy, they're going, hey, let me try this time, right? They were willing to step out and make a mistake when it wasn't happening. Today, when we do something, you know, it doesn't happen. Oh, we let's not do that anymore. God's not healing people. No, you keep stepping out. You keep walking in faith. You keep rising up. You keep believing God. You keep pressing in because there is a barrier you will eventually break through and you will bring the glory of God into the earth. You will see the glory of God in your churches. You will see the glory of God move because that is God's will. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't tell that little epileptic boy, oh, it's just my will. You got prayed for and you didn't get healed. It must be my will for you to not be healed. People think if they get prayed for and they're not healed, it's just God's will. No, no, no. How many times did Jesus pray for somebody and make them sick? I don't remember one. The Bible says He healed all of them that came to Him in faith and asked to be healed. Every one of them ended up being healed. Why is that? Because He was expressing the will of God. And I just want to say right now, it's the will of God to set this generation free from all the perversity, the, the darkness, the blindness. You know what? The devil's taking advantage of what's going on in this world right now with all this ism, this, and whatever. I could name a whole bunch of things that I've discussed in weeks past. There's so many things going on in this world. There's so much darkness, and it is in so many, many levels. You know, one time Jesus was with the disciples in the boat, and he tells them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. That's an interesting thing to me. These people are with Jesus all the time. They're hearing preachings all the time. But he's telling those that are with them all the time, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And I will tell you church people, you people who are probably not listening to the Word of God as much as those disciples were when they were with Jesus every day. Beware of the leaven that's in this world. Amen? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees that say the Holy Spirit will not move. You cannot expect miracles to happen. You can't expect people to get saved. You can't expect, expect outbursts of power. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees in the middle of the church. Amen? Are you all with me now? And I just want to get back to this point I just started making here. God wants to realign His church. He wants the power back. You know, I know God loves us singing songs. He loves us singing Kumbaya and everything else. But God wants to see His presence back in His house again. God wants His glory back in His house again. God wants people helped back in His house again, healed back in His house again, delivered 
back in His house again. And if we don't have a vision of that, if we don't believe it, and if we don't press past our, our doubts, our fears, we're never going to experience it. Amen? Now, I'll just stop right there and make a little plug. We're here on Sunday mornings, and there's a group upstairs in our house praying to God for the power of God to fall. I just want to invite you to be a part of that. That's actually at 9 o'clock. Then we come here at 9.30, and we begin worshiping and singing, praising God some. You know, and hopefully before long, we'll be flowing in the gifts of the Spirit more and more. Does that sound scary? Oh, man, that's exactly what God wants. That's the New Testament church. It's the gifts of God. It's the Holy Spirit. If we don't need the Holy Spirit, let's just do church the Old Testament way where nobody gets free, nobody gets healed, nobody gets changed very much. I mean, it, it happened that it was so slow and it was rare. It's supposed to be a common everyday thing in the New Testament. Amen? I'm telling you, that's where I'm going. That's where I've been wanting to go and holding on to. And I'm believing God for that. And I'm believing God for God to raise up an army, an army of people who love only God, who hate only sin, and who are willing to live and die for Him with all their heart. Amen? I tell you what, if we have just a handful of that, we'll change this world. We'll change this world. We'll see people get set free. Man, I'm telling you, what a powerful thing. I'd rather have 10 or 12 radical, radical people on fire for God. They'll change the world. I'd rather have that than 12,000. And I believe many people today have 12,000 and 20,000. For what? For what? You see what I'm saying? We have so much of a promise. The promise is for you. We've been, we've been studying this. The promise is for you. The promise is for you. What promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the power. The promise of the breakthroughs. The promise of God's glory with men again. The promise of, of, of what comes with that Holy Spirit. It's for you, amen. It's for the church. And we need to begin to experience this with everything we've got. God's going somewhere new. Are you yearning for the old? Do you just want the Kumbaya group? You know, you know what I'm saying? Kumbaya is fun, I, I guess. I can't remember singing it since probably I was a little boy. Probably, but that means most of you don't even know what the song is, right? I just realized I'm saying Kumbaya and people are going, what do you mean Kumbaya? I could sing it for you, but I don't think I will. Do you know what that word means? It's, it's, it's some African language, kumbaya, right? It's come by here. Come by here, Lord. Come by here. Something. I think it's African, or maybe it's some other language. Somebody will probably tell me online. Somebody, somebody who's good at games, like Dana, she'll probably have the right answer for that one. Oh, no. Oh, no, not, don't play it. Don't play it. Alves already found it online. Oh, come by, come by here. Oh, I was right. Does it say where it's from? But it doesn't say. Anyway, all right. West Africans. So, oh, you're West African, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, how, why don't you know that song? Okay. So anyway, I just say that because I'm trying to shake you out of your old form, patterns, into something more vibrant, more real. And yes, 
There's a resistance to getting there. But it starts out with a desire and a vision deep on the inside of you when you can't see the breakthrough. It doesn't look like it. But deep down on the inside of you, it registers as true. There's more than what I've seen. These things are true. These promises are for me. I'm going to believe no matter what I see, no matter what I'm experiencing. I'm going to believe what the Word of God says. And I'm going to press into this. And this is going to be my standard, not what I'm seeing. See, I'm trying to connect with that with you and pop you out of that system you've been in. Like, like the guy who goes to the disciples and he thinks that's, well, I got what I was supposed to get there. No, there's more. Amen? Amen. There's more. And we don't, we, we, we don't want to just play around with, with this. We have one life to live. What do you want to live your life for? You, you know, what do you, when you're dead, what do you want to die with? What do you want to take with you to eternity? Oh man, when I'm dead, I want to make sure I have a bunch of money. I want to have a good car. I want to have a good house. And I'll tell you something, I, I, want, to have, I, I want to have a lot of souls with me. I want to be in heaven. You know, part of what I believe is the great reward in heaven is to look at lives that your life touched and helped bring toward God or maybe even see people get saved. You know what I mean? Part of what you're a part of. Maybe it's the prayers. You'll see your prayers, what you pressed in for as you were praying, God, your will on earth. As you were praying that prayer that God told us to pray. And now you have a bigger understanding of what that means because of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As you've been praying that and believing God, I believe one day in eternity, you'll see, wow, when I got the promises and I held on and I began to live for a greater purpose, that is what I brought into my eternity with me. All those things, and I remember all that I've done, and nothing you've done for God will have been forgotten. Amen? You know, one reason why I don't, I believe some people don't press into the new things of God, it's because they don't have a vision for it. They don't have a vision. They don't believe God's going to do something so big. They don't believe God's going to bring breakthrough. And so they just do what they can do. They lost their vision. And I hope today I'm inspiring a little bit more vision back in your heart, in your mind. Amen? God's got something new He's going to do. He's shaking the church world. Can you not see that? There have been a lot of crazy things uncovered, by the way, in the church world recently. He said, man, that's just crazy what was going on. But it's not just that. There's the whole form. You know, as long as something works, we'll just keep doing it. You know what Jesus said about that? He says, if you've had a wineskin, if you had the old wine, it's real hard to want the new wine. It, it'll, break the old, it'll break that old wineskin. That means as long as, you're, as long as you're so tired and you're used to doing it the old way, God wants to bring the new stuff in there, you can't take it. And that's the way the church is. If God poured in what He wanted to do into what it was, we couldn't have held it. I look at this today and I'm going, hmm, this is interesting. It's not at all what I was used to. We got a house full of people today, and it's Sunday morning. Well, why aren't you at church? I am at church. Are y'all see what I'm saying? Who knows what things are going to look like a year from now in our church and in the church in America and other places. 
Oh, this is an exciting time. I hope you're backing up, looking at the big picture going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me pull away and not judge it by my last season, what I've known. Let me look and judge things by this big picture. Amen. Amen. Last week, what were we talking about? Philip. You remember we were talking about Philip? What's Philip doing? Philip goes to Samaria. Now, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to share, which I know I'm not going to finish now, but I wanted to share a little bit with you about Philip and how Philip uh, was used of God in just, and how God worked with him, okay? So last week we looked at this lesson and we saw in Acts chapter 8 what's happened. You know, Philip is down, he goes to Samaria, right? And he's, he's, uh, it says he's preaching Christ to them. And multitudes with one accord heeded because they were hearing what he was saying and hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. I am telling you, there is no doubt about it. And this is all in the Bible. Uh, miracles, signs, and wonders wake people up to the truth of God, right? Preaching does one thing and miracles and signs, when God does, it's like shouting. Jesus even said, if you don't believe my words, believe what I'm doing. Let that wake you up, okay? Anyway, in fact, whenever um, uh, John the Baptist began to doubt, he sends people to say, are you really the one? He says, look what's happening. Eyes are open. People, you understand what I'm saying? Sick are being healed. Gospel's being preached. So, okay, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's the testimony. Anyway, so here he is. He's doing these miracles. Unclean spirits are crying out with a loud voice. Man, you ever been in a church where that happened? You ever seen that happen? That's a good thing. Some people, if that happens, they'd want to run away from church and go, oh, I don't like that. No, that means God's there. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes, if no craziness happens, that might be because God's not there. Some people are like, well, church needs to be orderly. So the most orderly place you could ever go is a graveyard. You ever been to one? Like, <laughs> And sometimes when God shows up, it just looks disorderly. Look what's happened here. People are screaming out, yelling. You remember Jesus preached and was talking in church one day and a man screams on the back row. There was a demon on the inside of him. And that wasn't out of order. The demon's out of order. The man wasn't. God wants to see that man get set free. Amen. I want to see some people yell in church. I want to see some yell, shout unto God. And I want to see some yell because demons are coming out of them. Praise God for that. I want to see people come get out of their wheelchairs. I believe God hates that sickness. I believe God hates cancer. I believe God hates for people to go through things. I believe God hates for people to live lives full of torment and misery and oppression on the inside of them. And I'll tell you, that is very real People that have depression, it's a horrible, horrible thing they go through. I will just tell you, that is not from God. That's not God's will for your life. Amen. And that should be an encouragement to everybody who's wrestling with something right now. But anyway, he's seen these miracles happen. Now, if you read this story, you know, you fit it into today and what goes on today. You'll probably think, oh man, Philip's got it made. Man, Philip, he's the man. I bet he drives a Bentley, right? Man, I bet he's got the best social media presence. Man, 
you just think, I can't wait to find him on Facebook, right? I'm going to find this picture, and he, he's probably got some cool pictures of being like this, uh, just perfect poses, the man of the hour, you know, and, and there's going to be some other things in the, on, on there. He's going to have his, his family. I bet he's got the most wonderful family, picture perfect, all there, lined up. For, for Man, but guess what? It wasn't like that at all. When, and he's doing these miracles, but it wasn't like that, not even close to it. You know why? He was going through one of the worst trials, probably one of the worst trials of his life. Look, look at what it says here in verse 1 before he gets to these miracles. Saul was consenting to uh, Stephen's death. And at that time, this is interesting to me, Stephen's death goes up unto the Lord, but somehow it empowered and uh, the demonic realm. It's sort of like the, the demons went a new level. There was a new level. And anyway, that death of Stephen triggered persecution. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered. They had to leave to flee for their lives. You see what I'm saying? And... Um, and as for Saul, he made havoc. This is Saul who later became Paul. Okay? Man, what a powerful story. There's some people you might be upset at, might just think they need to go and get judged right now. You know what I'm saying? God's already given up on them. I wonder what some people were praying for, for Saul. You know what I mean? <laughs> I could just imagine some of the prayers. But uh, God saved that man and he used him. So anyway, he's entering every house, every house, every place he could, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Who's he committing to prison? Those people who are radical for God, those people serving God, right? You see what I mean? There was an intense persecution. Stephen had just been killed. They were dragging people off and, and go, taking them to jail. And what happens to Philip? Philip leaves Jerusalem because that's where he lives and he's, he's leaving because of the intense persecution going on. He could have, he could have lost like almost everything because he's fleeing for his life. Y'all see what I'm saying? Now, I just want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to pretend you just lost everything. Something happened. You had to let go of your job when you don't have another job. Whatever you've been living in for a long time, you have to just let go of it and move on. And everything's gone. You see what I mean? You had to move on. How would you feel if that just happened to you? Would you be full of faith? Would you be like, praise God? Or would you be, oh, why'd you let this happen to me? Oh, God, I can't believe this happened to me. Let me tell you this. When negative happens like that, Never let it get you down because when a trial comes your way, if you will rejoice in the middle of your trial, if you will be joyful, if you will go to God, bring your burdens to God, trust God with your life and rise up over it, God will use that trial to bring you into a new place of blessing and promotion. To me, it is not just a coincidence that Philip 
is being used probably in the most powerful way he's ever been used in his life. I doubt Philip has ever seen miracles flow out of his life like they did that day in that hour. You see what I mean? And why did that happen? I believe it's because he went through a trial that was so hard. What did he do? He went down and he pressed into God. He started believing God. And after you do that, what does the Bible say? It says, bring your needs before the Lord. But then he says, and we, you cast them before God. But then it says, with thanksgiving. And where Paul says, bring your needs, bring them to God with thanksgiving, he also says, and rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Man, I will tell you, when you're going through a trial, you've got to remember, there is a blessing for you on the other side of it. James says this, count it all joy when you face trials. Why? Because if you do right in the trial, there is a definite blessing for you on the other side. There is no, no question about it. Man, Philip had been through an intense trial in his life. Man, he could have lost everything. But he, he is rejoicing. And you know how I know he's rejoicing? Because God did miracles through him. And God does not do miracles through negativity, through doubt, and through sorrow. You might be sorrowful for a night, and that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting hit. But you've got to rise up in the morning. And you've got to decide, I'm going to walk in victory in the middle of what I'm going through. And I'm not going to be sorrowful every day. And when you do that, and let me just tell you this. When you're in a trial, you don't feel like you're ever going to have victory at that moment. It's the pressure of that on your, it's the spirit of it speaking to you and trying to get you to conform. If you ever give in to that, he's going to come in, boom, like a bandit and take over your mindset, take over your life, start working in your life and your decisions. But if you make a decision, I'm not going to be in alignment with that. I'm going to press into God you're going to see a great breakthrough. You see what I'm saying? Philip was in a trial, but you don't see him coming into Samaria. Guess what? If he come into Samaria that way, he'd have never found the blessing that was there for him. You see, you know, some of you, you're right, the blessing is right where you are, but you're in the wrong attitude to see it. That's an amazing thought right there. He was right there. If he'd been... If he'd been down, thinking about what he had just happened to him, thinking about what he just lost, he would have missed the blessing that was right there for him to step into. Amen? Man, I just say, rejoice. God's got something better for you through the trial. Something else I've just mentioned really quickly right here. I think it's so interesting how God got this man where God wanted him to be and why he got him there. Of course, you know why, right? God wanted to minister something. God wanted to reach people. Now, you ever realize, okay, so why is he in Samaria? Because there's people that need to get saved there. Does he know that? No. All he knows is, I had to get out of Jerusalem. They were going to throw me in jail, maybe kill me, right? But God had something else in mind. He doesn't know why he's in Samaria, but he finds out. I just want to mention this for some of you who may wonder why you're where you are. Do you realize you might be where you are 
because God has an assignment for you there and there are people that need to be reached right where you are? Yes? Did I lose you? Maybe that's where you are, right where you are. I, I don't like that kind of thought. But you remember one time Paul's in jail and he goes, everybody around here knows my chains are in Christ. And guess what? He reached kings. He reached magistrates. He'd have never reached them if he'd not gone to jail. Nobody else could have been going, oh, I can't believe it. He's just moping all the time, not reaching anybody. He goes, I'm going to rise up above this. And, and then guess what? He begins to see life. He's actually excited. Hey, look, I'm winning people to the Lord. And then at the end of that letter, at the end of that letter, he goes, Caesar's household greets you. He reached Caesar's household for the Lord. That's amazing, isn't it? He'd have never done it if he didn't go to jail. It's just really powerful. I just want to just say, if you start looking beyond yourself, you'll realize you're where you are for a reason bigger than you. Your biggest reason isn't just to make more money. It's not to have a bigger business. It's to, it's to fulfill God's purpose in your life and to help other people. And if you don't have that as your mindset, you're going to miss out on God's big plan for your life. You're not going to see it. If you're all wrapped up, moping, you know, complaining, all upset about negative things that happened to you, oh, this doesn't work out, that, that, you're going to miss out on God's plan. You just, you're not even going to see what God's got for you. Amen? And look at how, how God got him where he got him. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this right here. How did God get him to Samaria? How did God get, get this man to Samaria? Through a persecution. That just is mind-boggling. This is the will of God for him to be there. Do y'all see that? He's seen a revival, right? How'd God get him there? Through persecution. Now, I just, I just want to say, you might be in a place where something bad happened to you and got you somewhere you don't know how you got where you are. Maybe it feels like something got you off course. Maybe you lost a job you didn't feel like you should have lost. Maybe something unjust happened to you. Maybe something negative happened to you. But listen to this. God will take whatever has happened to you, whatever negative you've gone through, whatever came your way that ought not to have, that you might go, man, why did that happen? How is it that happened to me? I will just say this to you today. God will use it for good and God will make something good out of it. Philip could have gone, oh man, there's no way. Why'd God allow that persecution? Why'd God, I had to leave everything. No, let go of that. Let go of what happened to you and start looking. Don't go, oh, but that put me in this situation. It doesn't matter how you got there. Somehow, God's bigger than that and He's going to use where you are right now for the kingdom of God. It's amazing to me that something negative like that can happen which is not of God, and yet God uses it as if it were of God. That's phenomenal. And you, of course, know the story of Joseph. Man, what if Joseph had been in a bad attitude? He rose up out of that. God sent him, well, we don't say his brothers threw him in prison. His brothers threw him in the pit, right? But God meant it for good. I don't know how you got where you are, or what you're in, but I'll just say, if you get out of your, your attitude of negativity, if you get out of your attitude of doubt, if you get out of your attitude of, 
oh, it's just going to be the same thing. You know what? You know what the enemy does? He will get you into a habit. You'll begin to see, you'll, you'll have a mindset, and then certain things will begin to happen. It'll be a certain way the whole time, a certain way. And you begin to expect that to happen. You know what's happening to you? Mindsets are settling in your soul. Defeat is settling into your theology um, of how God works, right? And you're starting to live at a lesser level than what God has designed for you, you see? If you will begin to rejoice and thank God when you don't understand what you're going through, you don't know why you're where you are. You don't know how you got where you are. You don't know why God allowed this and that to happen for you to end up where you are. If you will begin to praise God, thank God, and rejoice when you don't feel like it, you'll change and your eyes will open and you'll begin to see, ah, this is why I'm here. And I will tell you by experience, when you're in the middle of that, you don't feel like rejoicing. But if you just start doing it, put one step in front of the other. You ever, I won't have you raise your hands. I know, I, because the ones who don't raise your hands, you'd be the ones lying, right? I was going to say, I was going to say, you ever go through this? I know you all have. So, so look, what you have to do when you feel this way and everything's wrong, you have to make yourself do what you don't feel like doing. You got to start thanking God. You don't feel like it at all. I'm telling you, that's the way it is. And you've got to do this at your worst point. Don't wait till a few days later you feel better. You see, you're not really attacking the devil that way at the same level. When you realize, you come to your senses and you go, I feel horrible. I'm depressed. I got this heaviness on me. Right then, you have to make yourself do something you don't feel like doing. Just one step. God, I thank you you're faithful. God, I thank you for bigger than my situation. Oh, oh God, I'm just going to enjoy your faithfulness. You don't feel it yet. But you just start talking like that for a moment. And after a while, something starts to happen. And something, something's breaking. You're not feeling quite as bad as you. And then, and then you start praising him and before long, I'm telling you, it can be just a few minutes. If once you get used to doing this in a few minutes, you're like shouting, yes, God, you are mighty. You're going to see me through. You're going to come through for me. I thank you. There's an open door somewhere, sometime, and you are always on time. And I thank you, Lord God, you'll always be with me and you're helping me. It won't take very long once you learn how to do it, but you got to train yourself. You got to make yourself press into victory when you don't feel like it. Amen. When you do that in the middle of your trial, a great breakthrough is on the other side and it's going to be amazing. Amen. Remember David at Ziklag? That's exactly what he did in his worst trial. When he felt his worst, cried all day. He goes, I got to encourage myself. How do you encourage yourself? You don't just go, self, you're going to do good, feel good. Self, you know, you're going to make it. You encourage yourself by thanking God, praising God, declaring how faithful God is, declaring, you know, uh, God's promises. That's how you encourage yourself. Man, and then the spirit of your mind changes. You know, when David did that, and his spirit of his mind changed, he was depressed when he went into his prayer time, but when he came out, he came out of his prayer closet going, come on, guys, we're going to defeat the devil. His perspective changed because he praised God when he didn't feel like it. Amen.
Amen. Well, Father, we want to thank you for your example in the Word. Thank you for Philip. God, and what Philip did, there's so many lessons in Philip's life of how he lived and his background and, and his, his integrity and, and the Holy Spirit that was in him and how he stepped out in faith and how, how he was preaching the Word and he went beyond himself. And Lord, I just pray for every person here that by the grace of God that each one of us, Lord, would step out of where we've been and step into a new place of trust in God. God, we'd step out of defeat and step into the victory, even though we don't feel like it. Lord, I pray that each one here this morning would realize that obtaining victory is not something that has to happen 10 years from now. It can happen today if you just connect with God and begin to praise Him and thank Him. Yes, you bring your burdens to the Lord. Yes, you, you put your problems to God but then you've got to let them stay there and you've got to begin to praise Him, thank Him, give Him glory and re remind Him and remind yourself of His goodness. Lord, I just pray that everybody here would recognize this. Lord, I pray for those who've been in a problem for a long time. And like that man with the epileptic boy, God uh, had begun to doubt, maybe God won't, doesn't want to heal me. Maybe God doesn't want to help my situation. Father, I just pray right now for a breaking of those lies. And I pray that the light would come on. I pray that the truth of Jesus' love and His character and how He died for everybody, how much more does He want to bless us with good things? God, I just pray, Lord God, that that would become so alive in every heart and in every mind, Lord. And God, I pray for the church that we would go back to the old, that, that we would forge forward like pioneers into the new thing you're bringing us into, where there's love, there's power, there's unity that's by the Spirit, where, where there's goodness, where there's people getting set free, where lives are being changed, where we're willing to sacrifice to help others and disciple them and help them go in the right way and God, we just pray, change everything so that you will inhabit your house again and that the glory will fall in your house again. Lord, we're here for this. We're looking forward to this. We're thanking you for this, Lord God, and we're expecting this because we know this is your design. And God, we know this is the hour when you've stepped into the temple, so to speak. You've shaken things. It's because you want to re reform it, to, to fill it with glory so it'll contain your new wine of glory. So God, we thank you for this day. Bless us. Bless our day. Bless everybody here. Bless everyone online. And God, help us to follow you with all of our hearts this week, to love you. God, I pray you bring breakthroughs to everyone. I pray everybody would experience the Holy Spirit this week. Lord, I pray everyone this week would be blessed. Lord, I pray that the word of encouragement would come to them when they wake up and when they go to bed. Lord, I pray that somehow the word of God would speak to each one this week, that there would be a connection with God. Lord, I pray you bring each one of us out of the old that would hold us down and into the new things that you're calling us to walk into. Lord, thank you, Lord. Let your face shine upon us this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.